Good morning. You're the service folks that we're somewhat jealous about because y'all didn't have to get up and scrape your windows. <laughs> it was really early, really dark. I ran out to the car to hop in it. I can't go anywhere. I had to run back into the garage, get the ice scraper, which we have toted with us since we used to live in Pittsburgh. There's just some things you just don't get rid of because you just never know when you're going to need them again. And so we've given most of ours to our kids in their cars, but we happen to have one left, which we were really, really gracious for. So good morning. Welcome this Lord's Day. Will you please stand with me as we begin? In our song, we're going to use the term Ebenezer. It's a biblical term. It's not referring to the old crotchety man in the Disney movie. Okay? And that Ebenezer refers to a stone set up where God helped. It's found in 1 Samuel 7.12. You can look that up later. 1 Samuel 7.12 if, if you need the account to provide that for you. But... We're going to sing together, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. Lift your voice with me, will you? Come Thou Fount of Every
Father, we come, your bride, to present our praise, our worship, ourselves to you this morning. Be pleased with what we offer. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. Well, we're glad to see you this morning. I hope that you're all warm. Are you? If you're not, just sit closer together. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> well, I'd like to report that the Jags won last night. How many of you stayed up to see that? I did too. And so if I miss half these words, you'll know why. It was a good game, and it's an exciting game, and they're, keep, they're still moving ahead. And so that's really neat to hear. I know that's not the greatest announcement in the world, but it is an exciting one, especially for us JAG people who've been waiting for this for a long time. I just wanted to uh, let you know that if you're here for the first time and you don't know too much about the church, there, there is a, uh, a number that you can call. It's 904 441-6900, and when you get on that, it's, it's on your phone, and you can hit on your computer, you can hit connect, and it will take you to the church's app, and you can look and see what's going on in the church, all the different programs that are available, and avail yourself of that if you haven't done it yet. And so it's 904-441-6900. Uh, uh, so, and also, I want to remind you that tomorrow the church's office will be closed because it's Martin Luther King Day, so that's a holiday. And so the church office will be closed. And we're looking forward to Wednesday night. Wednesday night we kick off our, our supper and our kids' praise and choir and all the different things that happen on Wednesday night. And so you could come and have supper at 5 a.m., it cost about, it cost $5. The what? Oh, what'd they say? I, I know that the Jags won. No. <laughs> so 5 p.m. I have 5 a.m. on here. I'm really... <laughs> Also, <laughs> let me continue here. We have, the, uh, we have a, an alignment class that will take place on January 22nd at 9 a.m. And you say, what's that? It talks about it in your bulletin. And if you're a part of this body and you want to know where you can fit in and use your skills, your gifts, and your ability, you need to go and be a part of that. It's a good class. Also, at the end here, when I step away, we're going to have a short video on our re-engagement marriage ministry, which is really effective and a positive thing. So I, I, we're glad you're here, and we pray that you'll enjoy this service. You, I'm looking forward to you to hear the message that Pastor Ron is going to give, and also to a real special music this morning that you're going to enjoy. So we're glad you're here. 
We came to re-engage because our marriage was in trouble and we didn't know where to turn. We were out of options. We wanted to take our marriage from a good one to a great one. On the outside, we looked perfect, but on the inside, we were broken. We were on the verge of divorce. I was full of bitterness and anger. I was unfaithful in my marriage. Because our marriage was falling apart as a consequence of my struggle with alcoholism. My struggle with pornography that was just leaving her hurt. I think my wife started realizing being empty nesters coming up real soon that she was going to be stuck just with me and we need to do something to make our marriage better. And we needed help reconnecting and communicating with each other. The first day we walked into re-engage, I felt skeptical, a little awkward, very ashamed, overwhelmed, really angry, and I really wanted to hide. He wanted to come and I came along practically kicking and screaming. I felt nervous, I felt embarrassed, but I felt hopeful after we heard the testimony that night. We felt an energy that was hard to describe, a transparency that we had not seen before. One of the biggest things I realized was we couldn't do this alone. Our marriage was a covenant and not a contract. A covenant that did not depend on circumstances and was a lifelong commitment. Other marriages had survived what we had been through and were thriving. We don't have to settle for just getting by. It was not about fixing each other, but it was about God transforming us into people that would love each other the way that we had committed to love each other. If you're considering coming to re-engage, the one thing I would want you to know is that you're not alone. It is a safe place to reconnect. Everything is possible with God. I'm just living authentically in community will be a game changer for you. It isn't a quick fix, but re-engage gave me the opportunity and the tools that I needed to start working on our marriage. No matter how bad things are, do not give up on your marriage. God can heal and create something beautiful even from the messiest marriage. So whether your marriage is a one and you want to get to a two, or an eight and you want to get to a nine, re-engage is a safe place to reconnect, reignite, or resurrect your marriage. No matter where you are, you can grow in your relationship with Christ and begin to experience God's plan for your marriage. We're so glad you're here. Welcome to Reengage.
join with me in, stand, in singing, standing. To God be the glory.
God's children said. Amen. Please be seated. Brother Bill. Y'all sound wonderful in the choir. Okay, so up on the screen you'll see that um, these are some children in Haiti. And it's, you know, Haiti's a land of great instability and poverty. And these children, they're healthy, they're fed, they are sheltered, they're learning about Jesus because of your generosity. The uh, Fontana Village was created and founded by Anastasia Church members, and it's sustained by so many of you. And uh, when you give to missions or the Acts 1-8 fund, you are helping provide for the children in Haiti and so many other things. And so we just want to thank you for making a difference for the Lord. So let's pray. Father God, we just thank you for this opportunity, Father, this, this opportunity to rejoice, Father, this opportunity to be in your house with, your, with, with all these saints, Father, that are here. Father, we just thank you for this opportunity to contribute to you, Father, and your, your helping us give the life-changing truth of Jesus Christ to the world, Father. Father, we ask that as we come to this, this time of giving, Father, that you would just take this offering, Father, that you would bless those who give, Father, that you would take this offering and that you would use it for your kingdom, Father, and that you would bless it for your kingdom. We pray all these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Oh. 
After that, we can just all go home. Wow. <laughs> Beautiful, Joseph. Thank you. Thank you. You've blessed us. I've had the privilege this morning twice of hearing him sing, and uh, it is a privilege, and thank you. Also, I want to express my appreciation to Pastor Walter. Uh, those of you who have been here for a while, you know I'm the has-been pastor. <laughs> and... Uh, I appreciate Pastor Walter allowing me to preach, and uh, I'm grateful to him, and I thank you, congregation, for allowing us to be a part of the worship of God. If you'll open your Bible to uh, John's Gospel, chapter 14, I've been asked to preach on verses 15 through 31 of John chapter 14. And just uh, while you're turning there, let me just simply say that um, chapters 13 through 17 uh, take place in the upper room. Uh, it is the last night of Jesus' life. He is, he is aware that later on that evening he's going to be arrested, tried, and that by 9 o'clock the next morning he's going to be hanging on a cross. He knows that. His disciples do not know that. So what he's doing in these chapters in John's Gospel, 13 through 17, what he's doing is he is he has assembled his disciples together and he is telling them the ministry that God has given me, God the Father has given me to do. I am now giving that ministry to you. And what I have been doing from this point on, you are going to be doing. So that's, that's the context of these verses, okay? So uh, would you mind standing as I, read, as I read God's Word? Uh, this is Jesus talking. 
And he said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you yet a little while, and the world will see me no more. But you will see me, because I live, you also will live. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced, because I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place, so that when it does take place, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me, but I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise and let us go from here. Thank you, and you may be seated. In order to understand the dynamics of what Jesus is about to say, I need to take you back to verse 12. In verse 12, Jesus said, Truly, truly I say to you, and he's, he's underscoring how important it is that you understand this. Truly, truly I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Under the old covenant that God made with the Hebrews at Mount Sinai, ministry was reserved to the priests. They were consecrated, they were set apart, 
They were dedicated to God. And if you wanted to do anything between you and God, most of what you had to do, you had to go to a priest. If you wanted to offer a sacrifice, you didn't offer the sacrifice. You took it to the priest, and the priest offered the sacrifice for you. You might go to the priest, ask the priest to pray for you. Everything was done by the priest. The priest was the intermediary between you and God and God and you. But now Jesus is making a new covenant with us through his blood. And what he's saying to us in that new covenant is that now everyone who believes in me is a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You as a believer in Christ, are just as much a minister of the gospel of Christ as I am. So the thing about it is, God didn't just give this to the apostles. He didn't just give it to the men. He gave it to all believers, whoever believes in me, he said. You will do the works that I am doing and even greater things than I have done, you will do. So if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you are a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That doesn't mean you have to be a preacher. That's the assignment. Or sing in the choir or teach a Sunday school class, or be a missionary. It means that you are wherever you go. You are a minister of Jesus Christ. You are ministering Christ to the people around you, wherever you are. If you're driving your car, (laughs) we go to the hard things first, don't we? (laughs) You're driving your car, You drive it like a Christian. You go to work. You sit around these imbeciles all around you. (laughs) How do you relate to them as a Christian? You see, wherever you go and whatever you do, you are Christ to them. That's why you're a minister of the gospel. Okay. Now, in order, to, in order to accomplish the tasks he has assigned us to accomplish, he's given us four gifts, and they're outlined in the passage we just read. The first one is found in verses 13 and 14, just before the passage we read. It says, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Boy, it sounds like a blank check, doesn't it? You want that Mercedes? Just ask for it. Well, you know it doesn't work that way. Because you see, by asking in the name of Jesus, it means that you have submitted your life and your prayers to the will of Jesus Christ. 
So he's talking about praying not in my name, what I want, but praying in the name of Christ and what he wants to accomplish through my life. I have a number of spiritual heroes, one of whom is Bertha Smith. Bertha Smith died back in the 1980s. Uh, she went to China, arriving there as a missionary in September of 1917. And she spent her entire adult life ministering to the Chinese. Whenever the um, communists took over the country and they kicked all the missionaries out of China, she went to what they called back then Formosa, what today we know as Taiwan. And she, she stayed there until the mission board simply said to her, you can't stay there any longer. You've got to come home. You're too old to be a missionary. 1933, she began to have a buzzing in her ear that was very disconcerting. And so she ended up going to a doctor. And the doctor said, after examining her ear, said to her, your eardrum is becoming concave, bending in instead of bending out. And you're going to lose your hearing, and you're going to be deaf. She thought to herself, well, if God wants me to be deaf, I'll be deaf. And she didn't pay any more attention to it. But she had a visitor from America, a lady, and the lady said to her, Bertha, she said, that's crazy. She said, you're here doing God's work. You need to be able to hear. Why don't, you, why don't you ask God to heal you? Bertha didn't like the idea about praying for herself. She'd pray for you, but she didn't want to pray for herself. She thought it was selfish. And so two years later, Two years went by before she finally got around to asking somebody to pray for her. And it was, a, it was a Chinese pastor. He was head of the seminary there in China. And he was a man who was noted for the fact that when he prayed for people, that God answered his prayers. And a number of people had been healed as a result of his prayers. And so he'd come to their church where they were in the province where they were. And... Uh, he was holding a series of meetings in their church. And she asked him, Pastor, would you, would you pray for me for my ears? And he said to her, Bertha, instead of me praying for you, why don't you just dedicate your ears to the Lord? And walked off. Later that week, uh, they were having a prayer service in her house. The pastor, the Chinese pastor was there, several of the missionaries were there, there were five or six of them, and they were on their knees and they were praying. And she was kneeling by a chair, and she said, heaven came down 
and the glory of the Lord was in the place. Some of the missionaries fell on their faces and began to weep. She knelt by her chair and she said waves of inexpressible joy swept over her. And she began to laugh uncontrollably. Just the pleasure of being in the Lord's presence. She noticed after that that her ears weren't hurting anymore. As a matter of fact, they didn't hurt again or buzz again. The Japanese took over China. Missionaries were put in concentration camps. She spent the war years in a concentration camp. When the war ended, the foreign board brought them back home because they thought they'd be psychological basket cases that made them have a physical as well as a psychological checkup. Found out they were fine. The doctor giving her her physical had looked in her ears as a part of the physical. And so when the physical was over and he was getting ready to dismiss her, she said to him, what about my ears? And he said, well, your ears are fine. Why, why do you ask? She told him the story. He said, oh, he said, that's all right for those who believe that kind of stuff. But she never had trouble with her ears again. God had healed her. Doesn't mean God will always answer your prayer the way you want it answered. Doesn't mean that God will always answer your prayer by your time schedule. <laughs> it doesn't even mean that God will give you what you ask for. After all, you're praying in the name of Jesus. Not my will, but thy will be done. But you have the privilege, the gift of going to God in prayer. You have problems, take them to the Lord. You have blessings, thank God for them. You have people that you love and care about, lift them up before the Lord in your prayers. This is a privilege. It's one of the gifts God has given us in order that we might be his people in this world and do his work. Okay? Second gift is the gift of the Holy Spirit. Verse 26, he said, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Again, under the old covenant, you see, the Spirit was, was just given uh, to the priest. But now, under the new covenant, God's Spirit is given to everybody. Under the old covenant, if you wanted to meet God, you had to go to Jerusalem. And you had to go to the temple in Jerusalem because that was God's house, his dwelling place on earth. And so if you wanted to, if you wanted to be in God's presence, you had to go to the temple in Jerusalem to be there, but not anymore. Now God has come into every one of our lives in the presence of his spirit. And God now lives in us. And now you, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, now your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit because God lives in you. 
Not, not in a building somewhere, not in this house by itself, but in you and I, as we come together, we experience the unity of the body of Christ in the world. And what makes it so special is that Christ is in us as we come together. And your faith strengthens my faith. Your joy creates joy in me. Your problems, I help lift those burdens off your shoulders because we experience them together. You see, he gives us his spirit in every believer, okay? Um, Number three is the gift of his peace, verse 27. He said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. When I, when I began to focus on that, I thought to myself, that's strange. Why would he give us peace? Why wouldn't he give us power? I've always wanted power. I know why he didn't give it to me. (laughs) Why would he give us peace? You know why? This is the conclusion to which I came. Because we're in Satan's world. Because Satan walks around like a roaring lion looking for Christians to devour. You, you're going if, if you give your heart and your life to Jesus Christ and you get involved in God's work in this world, I will guarantee you that you will meet Satan face to face. And if you're not in Christ, he will gobble you up and spit you out. Jesus didn't just give us peace. Did you read the passage carefully? He said, my peace I give to you. We have Christ's peace in us. Have you ever noticed in reading the Gospels that Jesus was never worried? He was never afraid. He was never uptight. He was never anxious. He didn't spend all night worrying about what was going to happen the next day. You know why? Because he trusted his heavenly father. You see, the peace is not the peace from problems. It's the peace in problems. You know why? Because you trust God. You lose your job. Do you trust God? Your doctor tells you you've got something he can't cure. Do you trust God? Your marriage is on the rocks. Your kids are run off of somebody. Do you trust God? In this world, you will have tribulation, said Jesus, but I have overcome the world. Do you trust God? The peace 
is in the trust, and you have to claim it. It doesn't just happen to you. When you're in those situations, it doesn't just come on you. You have to look up and say, but God, I choose to trust you. And I'm not going to worry. I'm not going to be afraid. I'm going to walk in faith and not in fear. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. And the fourth gift is the gift of love. He said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. God is love. So if God is in us, in the person of his spirit, then it is inevitable that we will begin to express that love in everything we do. Listen to the Apostle Paul as he writes to the church at Corinth. You see, they had received the gift of the Holy Spirit, and they were just rejoicing in how amazing it was and what, what the Spirit enabled them to be able to do. And Paul is writing his letter to them, and he's saying to them, yes, yes, all that's good, but let me show you a more excellent way. Let me show you something that's even better. And what is it? 1 Corinthians 13. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. You see, if God lives in us in his spirit, then everything that we do should manifest that love. Our words, our actions, our attitudes. It's Christ using us just in their normal, everyday routines of life to minister, to minister his love to people. And whatever we do, more than anything else is to let his love flow through us. You see, people aren't going to respond to your logic. They have their own logic. They're not going to respond to your invitations to go to church. Why would they want to do that? But you know, you know what they will respond to? If instead of judging them, if instead of being critical of them, you just simply love them, then they'll look at you with new eyes and they'll say, there's something different about you. And you can say, yes, it's Jesus Christ. 
I didn't used to be this person, but Christ has now come into my life, and I'm a new person in Christ. In the end, we all want to stand, one day going to stand before God. And on that day, we only, we only want to hear one word. What is it? Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. I've been talking to those of us who are Christians. You've already made that decision. You've already given your heart and your life to Christ. But there may be those with us maybe that you haven't yet done that. Maybe there are things holding you back. Maybe you've seen some Christians who didn't act like Christians. <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> I want to say to you today that the greatest and best decision you'll ever make in your life is to give your heart and your life to Christ. You'll never regret it. You may question it sometimes. But as you grow in Christ and mature in Him, His love will fill your heart, your mind, your soul, and your life will be so much richer and better and happier. And you will have a purpose for being in the world. And that is to serve Christ. So as we sing this hymn of invitation, I'll stand down front. Uh, if you have never given your heart and your life to Jesus Christ, this is the time to stand up, take a stand for Christ, and to do it. It may be that there are those here, you're just looking for a church home, or you want to rededicate your life, you've gotten off the path. Well, this is the time to get things right. Would you mind standing as we sing?
grateful that you joined us this morning. Let's bow. Father, we've been active. We have sung. We have prayed. We have listened to your word. Father, we pray that you would take all of these things and by your spirit that you would internalize them. That you would help us to go forth from here in this place as more complete ministers of your gospel as we seek to serve and serve you alone. Father, may the peace that we heard about permeate our lives in this trying and troubled world. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Amen.